We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Abner Maris is a world champion boxer, Olympian, sports commentator, and most importantly, dad to two little girls. Beloved by abuelas and hardcore fans alike, Abner is a pro at entertaining the world both in and out of the ring. On Blue Wire's new podcast, On the Hook with Abner Maris, we'll hear from Abner, his family, fellow athletes, and other people who made him the boxer and the man that he is. They chat about topics like the state of boxing and Abner's journey from a kid on the streets to a boxing champ. Listen to On the Hook with Abner Maris wherever you get your podcasts. Episodes in English out on Tuesdays and episodes in Spanish out on Wednesdays. The Timeline is a Blue Wire podcast. Welcome to the timeline of Phoenix Suns podcast. My name is Mike. I'm here with Sam. And Sam, the Los Angeles Lakers are officially NBA champions. How do you feel about that? Yeah, who gives a fuck about that? Mike, yeah. <laughs> the offseason has begun. Yes. Let's speculate. No, I'm just kidding. Before we jump right in. Um, Marquise Morris. Is that, is that where you want to start? Is that where you want to start? Is that really where you want to start? I was going to have a... a, a respectful conversation about the Lakers for a minute before we move on to Suns talk. And you want to sour it with the mention of Markeith Morris's name? <laughs> um, uh, what's your respectful conversation about the Lakers? Because I'll give you a quick rundown of how I feel about it as well. But what, what do you think? Well, I mean, no. To be honest, I'm indifferent about it. Um, I hold no ill will towards LeBron James or Anthony Davis. Um, I think they were a hardworking team that that kind of blew through some playoff opponents um yeah i mean look i don't really care i I didn't really care about this finals i think people might know at this point that both of us um predicted the heat to win obviously we were wrong about that yeah Um, partially because i couldn't bring myself to predict a lakers victory that's (laughs) that's really all it was that's really all it was for me too if there's if there's anything that I don't have anything I need to get off my chest about the Lakers right now, I guess the only thing I need, like you know, talking about LeBron James's greatest of all time status or whatever, mm. doesn't interest me in mm. in the least right now. This didn't change um, it for me. It's cool that he won another championship, but like it's cool that he won another mm. championship. And I think the only place that I really want to pay respect to right now is the NBA in general because the season just ended, which means the bubble just ended which means the bubble was a success and the season was never derailed and there was never a single coronavirus case yeah. um, throughout the past 
100 plus days. Meanwhile, the NFL is in the middle of their season and and granted nothing catastrophic has happened exactly yet, but they are postponing games at this point. Um, So I think, you know, round of applause for the NBA for what they accomplished. Uh, This particular finals with with the Lakers and the Heat maybe wasn't the most interesting to me. And, And a lot of the conversations about it, you know, like the ratings conversation i don't really i think that's a pretty tired conversation too that i don't really want to rehash with yeah. you right now yeah um, but yeah who cares what were your thoughts uh, i just think it's kind of like it's a weird championship where there's nothing to learn from it uh as far as like how to build <laughs> God, a championship so sad and cynical yeah. yeah like it's how do you build a championship team well the lakers they were terrible for 10 years and then they right. they signed it's, lebron and traded everything they had for another player and then they won a championship like cool right it's but, like the story about the scrappy upstart challenging like amazon or something but then amazon just relentlessly crushes them yeah um, exactly and, or then uh, you know absorbs them or something there's nothing yeah. very redeeming about this story here it doesn't exactly yeah. um fill you with positive vibes yeah, the Lakers won because LeBron James started clutch, basically. All the, all the Lakers had to do to win was for a player to run an agency, uh, like a shadow run an agency, because players are not actually allowed to run an agency. I'm uh, sensing <laughs> a social network remake uh, oh. around clutch. About clutch? Most people don't know. It used to be called The Clutch, and uh, Justin Timberlake told them to drop the the. Uh, most most people don't know that, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I felt like we had to talk about this really, and I think you're right. I don't really care. Uh, I just don't really care. Uh, LeBron won because he put together a team good enough to win. LeBron was already the greatest player of his generation. I've talked about that time and time again. I don't really care where people think he stands next to Jordan because that conversation is impossible to come to a conclusion for. It's just however you feel, you can make a case for it. And I don't feel any way because there's no way to actually know the answer to that question. So I don't care. Um, But let's talk about the Suns. I think the most important thing that happened for the Suns in the last few weeks since we had a podcast was that Carl Anthony Towns uh, tweeted promoting his girlfriend's OnlyFans account, which has implications, I think, because do we really want to trade Aiton for him now? (laughs) Yeah, was that our last? Was that our last episode? Didn't we mention that on our last? <laughs> we talked episode, about it mailbag? recently. I don't remember. We talked. If it was I last think we year. talked about it. We said uh, I think one of the questions on the mailbag, and I don't remember if this was two or three yeah, weeks ago. It was. Anymore. Would you trade? Yeah, that's right. Would you trade Aiden for Cat? Uh, and we both said yes. Um, I would still do it. I mean, here's what concerns me: Dwayne Rand. <laughs> if, yes. if if we want to yes. trade blows, we can trade blows right now. Yes. So Cat. You recently, and, and this really, folks, this really shows you what stage of the offseason, uh, even if the offseason technically has only begun, this really shows you where we are at right now in our mental state that we're talking about this sort of stuff. Mike was giving Cat uh, a hard time online for promoting his girls, Jordan Woods's OnlyFans yeah. account. And their funny um, staged in- Instagram photos, which I find Which hilarious. are so funny. So yes. funny. Yeah. Um, Dwayne Rankin posted an article uh i think about this was the yesterday a good article too a by good the way. article you should read go it. check it out about uh the sun's eight and no run in the bubble and, and and some some lessons from it but also lessons from their their intense practice sessions that they were having specifically and talked about um i don't have i don't have the article in front of me i don't have the quote in front of me but just yeah. talked about these intense practice sessions where specifically he said dario saric was dominating other bigs in these practice sessions so much one-on-one to the point, one-on-one, to the point where Monty Williams just had to put Devin Booker and Dario Sarge one-on-one and have them go at each other. Yeah. To which your reaction, I don't I don't think I tweeted about this at all, but I thought your reaction was funny. Uh, all of the bigs? Yeah. Including DeAndre Ayton? Yeah, he was that Dario was the Sarge. implication I mean, there. Yes, that was the implication. So, maybe Carl Anthony Towns promotes his Girls Only Fans account. Yeah. <laughs> but but would, he get be, domi- would he be he dominated by be Dario, Dario Sarge, Sarge in practice? <laughs> Oh my god! No, we could we couldn't we couldn't start this podcast anyway uh, other than shitting on DeAndre Ayton a little bit in the opening ten minutes as much as we love him. Um, okay. I think you're yeah. right. I, I there is something important I have to bring up. I just got a notification on on my phone from Twitter that says J.R. Smith has taken off his shirt. <laughs> Are you this serious? Is, I'm serious. I actually got a notification that says news for you: shirtless J.R. Smith. <laughs> The NBA champ is back. 
God, Jesus. <laughs> look, look, I know we've made a joke of saying this is why the ratings are down. Um, because it doesn't matter, but this is why the ratings are down. <laughs> because that's it really, worthy it really of a notification. It really doesn't matter this time. <laughs> okay, but actual stuff that has to do with the Phoenix Suns. There, there, there is actually some things that have happened. I think a couple of small things, believe it or not. But, but, but they are small. They are pretty small. Yeah, and and coming up, we are going to talk to Laz Jackson, who who writes for uh, Detroit. Uh, writes about the Detroit Pistons and covers the Detroit Pistons for uh, the Blue Wire Podcast Network. We're going to have extensive conversation about Christian Wood. That'll be later. Uh, before we get to that, there were some other things that happened. One, the Suns were rumored to be interested in Jeremy Grant in the last few weeks. Is that right? Yeah, that was coming. That We, we could have talked about this, I think, a whole week ago. Yeah. Um, sort of flew by our radar. We didn't really have enough to put together a full episode last week, so that's why we took the week off. But yeah, that came in a report from a Denver Post writer. Um, mm-hmm. Do you have an instant reaction to that? That's good. I feel like it's good. I, <laughs> that I, sounds you know, about right. I, the, the the Suns need more NBA players. Yeah, um, <laughs> that's kind of how I look at it. Yeah, I'll plug one more time our our YouTube channel, which I think most of you know about by now. And um, we did a whole twelve minute breakdown on Jeremy Grant's strengths and weaknesses, and I think there will be room for us. Um, just like we're covering Christian Wood in this episode to talk more extensively about Grant if the Suns are continued um, to be linked to him in the future as we get closer to free agency. But all I'll say about this is the Suns are one of six teams with cap space to sign a player like Jeremy Grant. Um, I don't necessarily buy that this particular report from this particular Denver Post writer um, is... I, I don't know. I don't. I don't know that the trustworthiness is is necessarily there to buy into it necessarily more than say if it were Woj or or, or Shams reporting it. Um, I just think any time there's a high profile um, top tier free agent this summer, there's only like three or four teams that you can link them to. You're going to link mm-hmm. them to New York because New York wants everyone, especially if it's a guy like Van Vliet, Christian Wood, but but other guys besides that too. Um, you can link them to Atlanta because Atlanta has like fifty million dollars in cap space. And then it's like Phoenix and Miami, the two teams that are actually trying to be competitive, maybe Detroit. Um, but Detroit's in stage one of a rebuild. So so the types of players that they're going to be targeting might be different than other teams. So with all of these guys, I guess all I'm saying is it's going to be common now that we are officially in offseason mode uh, for the next four or five weeks. There's going to be a lot of reports saying Sun's interested in this guy, Sun's interested in that guy. Maybe that's the same as it always is every year, but I just would say, you know, Sometimes reporters will just need to make up, you know, certain reporters who are looking for clout in particular, if they just need to make up three or four teams to link to a, to a certain player, or if right. an agent needs to make up three or four teams to link to generate interest, the Suns will be in that list more times than not. Right. And, and he's unrestricted, Jeremy Grant. He has a player option technically for 2020, 2021. He can, uh, obviously, he's not going to take that player option, obviously. And I, I think he's going to sign for a lot. The, the one thing I will say, is the Nuggets traded a first-round pick for him. Uh, and he was a very important part of that team who ended up being like one of the best teams in the bubble. Uh, so they're going to do everything in their power to retain yeah. him uh, they, because they traded a first-round pick for him. So I It's think also, it's important, also to important to note they have Paul Millsap and um, Mason Plumlee coming off the books as well. Right. And a low-cap hold for him and the ability of signing him over the cap using bird rights. It's going to be tough for them... It's going to be really interesting for Denver moving forward because I don't think anyone expected them to go quite as far as they did. And now they're going to have to kind of scrape together some pieces, hope for some internal development out of Michael Porter Jr. If they want to keep and and more development out of Jamal Murray, if they want to keep making strides, but they can't keep all three of those guys. Uh, and I think, judging from what I've read online, they're going to prioritize Grant over the other two, which actually yeah. begs an interesting question about. Hey, maybe if the Suns want to make the playoffs next year, do you have any interest in Paul Millsap, a mm-hmm. 33, 34-year-old veteran who isn't what he once was in his heyday and maybe can't mm-hmm. play 30, 35 minutes per game anymore, but mm-hmm. could be interesting in a veteran sort of role? Mm-hmm. It's not something I've thought about extensively, but but could be an interesting conversation at some point. We got to add him to the list of the players that have the highest Ariza likelihood. Um, yes. Yeah. Because he, he is that. Uh, you know, Jeremy Grant, I think... It's an interesting thing where if he were to sign with the Suns, that would show you the power of someone like Monty Williams, where you can somehow lure a player 
of that caliber away from a team that's really good. So, you know, if that happens, it's a really good sign for the future as far as uh, signing free agents because that means that players tend to believe in what's going on here. Um, Whereas a player like Christian Wood, if you were to, like, like taking Christian Wood away from Detroit is not as impressive as taking Jeremy Grant away from Denver. Especially Uh, not when Denver just made the Western Conference Finals. Exactly. So, you know, you look at these two guys and, and you're wondering, you know, two guys that the Suns have been rumored to be you know, connected to, uh, you got to wonder if one of them is more likely than the other. Uh, and of course we're going to get into Christian Wood a little bit more, uh, later. I think it's interesting. I like Jeremy Grant a lot. And if it happens, cool. Um, another thing that happened that we have to talk about Jalen LeCue signed with clutch, which is kind of nuts. He's gone. He's gotta be gone. Uh, and I want to recap. I think, I don't think it's ever been fully clear to a lot of people that it's just impossible for a clutch player to stay on the Phoenix Suns. And here's how it happened. Uh, With two years left on his deal, Eric Bledsoe and his agent were pushing, who was, you know, clutch, he's represented by clutch, Rich Paul, were pushing for a extension on his contract. The Suns are under no obligation to extend a player like Eric Bledsoe when he's got two years left on his deal. But... If the Suns are terrible and Eric Bledsoe is entering his prime, it makes sense for Eric Bledsoe to say, hey, either extend me or send me to a different team because I'm about to enter my prime. I want some sort of idea that this is going to be something that lasts. Well, the coach of the Phoenix Suns at the time was Earl Watson, also represented by Rich Paul. Robert Sarver hated that they were pushing for an extension so much that he asked (laughs) Earl Watson to fire his agent, Rich Paul, because of the fight that was going on between Robert Sarver and and Rich Paul. And he gave Earl Watson 10 days to do it at the beginning of that fateful season where the Suns lost by 1,000 points in their first three games. Earl Watson did not fire Rich Paul and then was fired by uh, Robert Sarver, and that led to Eric Bledsoe tweeting, I don't want to be here. That does not sound like a relationship that is salvageable. It was enough for... Basically, Robert Sarver to ruin the chemistry of the team by because the entire locker room knew what was happening with Earl Watson, their coach. Essentially, tell the players that they're not allowed to hire <laughs> Rich Paul as their agent and fire the coach over it. So I think it's not salvageable. Like yeah. Jalen LeCue is gone now; he's going and, and, to be traded. And not only that, but like Jalen LeCue by himself probably doesn't we've talked about it before he doesn't have a very high potential of hitting you know like if he does hit he's got an amazing ceiling he's an uber athletic garden and whatnot but his actual probability of hitting as an undrafted nba player and becoming a good player it's not a super amazing investment on clutch's part but it almost makes you think that clutch saw robert sarver in another cheap move sell off the sun's g league team Mm -hmm. and purposely come over to Jalen lequeue and and be like hey you hate that guy fuck that guy we hate that guy too (laughs) and And, and like collude and and join up and i don't actually know how it happened so i'm not gonna i'm not gonna speculate on how specifically that partnership was made but it is interesting from Jalen's perspective too this team is no longer investing in me and my future exactly sold the g league team i want to get to a new team Hey, here's this guy that's pretty good at that, and he's done it for Suns players in the past. Uh, I'm going to sign him. I'm going to sign with him. And 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 you know, for Clutch, obviously, it yeah. makes sense because Jalen LeCue not likely to make a ton of money, but if he does, it's probably going to be right. a lot. Uh, so you know, sign to him. be clear, um, LeCue is well. The the Northern Arizona Suns are still around one more season before they move in to, Phoenix um, to move. Yeah, in Phoenix, not even in Northern Michigan. Arizona too. Not e- sorry, not but, even in Northern Arizona. The G League team will still be around next year. However, in what sort of dysfunctional state? I have no idea. And not owned nobody by the Suns, has though, given still. no nobody has given us any answers um, as to whether the team is going to make LeCue a priority. Where maybe he doesn't play in the G League at all next year. Maybe he just spends his entire time at the end of the Suns bench uh, in the big league. So it's not like Jalen LeCue is literally gone right now, but it does feel like he's gone. Yeah, and and look, it's a move on the fringes that likely doesn't matter. It's the exact type of move that you hate to see happen, though, because it's so cheap, and he was signed for long enough that you had the ability of seeing if he's going to turn into something at some point with two years team option and the last two years of his deal. A very smart move by James Jones that is completely undone by Robert Sarver's cheapness. That's just really what it is. And I hate that we even have to bring that up now, but it is what it is. The Suns also lost 
we're going to transition now. The Suns also lost a few assistant coaches over the last few months. Some, it seems, by their own doing, uh, by like Steve Blake, and some that seems to be maybe not, like Darko Ryakovich, who left, it seems to be, on his own accord. Just for a better position. Yeah, yeah and it seems like they had some openings here. And they signed a assistant coach from the Philadelphia 76ers named Kevin Young, an assistant coach who is most famous for being in a coach fight in the G League. <laughs> and I use that in, in quotes. The two coaches sort of met yelling at each other in the middle of the floor and a player accidentally tackled Kevin Young, it seems like, and it led to a lot of shoving for no reason. Uh, but it seems like a good it seems like a good hire. It's a guy who interviewed for the head coaching position for the Philadelphia 76ers. It seems like one of those like I'll do you a favor interviews, like not maybe a real interview. Like I mean Doc Rivers was signed pretty quickly to be the coach of the 76ers, but obviously someone who worked with Monty Williams in the past, sure. someone he's familiar with coming from a team that made the playoffs and has seen the grind and uh you know, it doesn't seem like a bad coaching hire in any way. Obviously basically impossible to analyze assistant coaching hires, uh, but it seems like a pretty good uh, fill-in for uh, who the Suns lost. What do you think about it, Sam? Yeah, I won't profess to have had any prior knowledge about Kevin Young. Uh, when I saw the news, I did the same thing as all other Suns fans who who paid attention, at least, which is to Google, who the fuck is Kevin, um, Kevin Young? I'm sorry. <laughs> did I say Kevin Jones? No, you got it right. Oh, oh, oh. I was thinking of the CEO of Blue Wire for a second. Jesus. Well, Kevin <laughs> Kevin Young, um, I, I think, look, I think it's a good sign anytime, even if the Sixers were only doing their due diligence, anytime you have a coach who is not from a prior professional playing background um, in a position where he can uh, interview for head coaching positions in his 30s. You know, I mean, you look at a guy like Igor Kokoshkov, um, took forever um, really put in his time around the league before he was able to finally get a job with the Phoenix Suns. He was 46 when he was hired to be a first-time head coach at the NBA level. Um, and so for Kevin Young to be, you know, 38 and getting an interview from from the Sixers is without having been a, a former player, that's pretty cool. Um, that being said, I don't know a whole lot about him. I went to YouTube and searched um, to see if I could find out anything um, about his coaching style. Um, I only found one story <laughs> when he was being interviewed by the Sixers mm-hmm. about a time that, um, that Jesus, why he went on I a road like, trip. <laughs> not, was that the not, one? No. What, what did you hear about the time he was on a road trip? Uh, it, uh, so the 76ers produced this like stories from the coach series. Oh yes. Like, that's what it was. No, it yeah. was a different time that he was on a road trip. What was your road trip? I don't know. He had to. He was on a bus and they couldn't fly somewhere, so he had to rent a car and drive somewhere. It was really boring. That's and, really boring. I, yeah. I saw, and it had like two hundred and seventy views, which is from yes. like a team YouTube channel, which I thought I was found. Hilarious. I found something from the same team YouTube channel with probably one hundred seventy views of a story <laughs> where he was in his first season coaching with the Sixers under Brett Brown, and one of the other assistants comes up to him like fifteen minutes before tip off, and it's like, man, Brett's really embarrassed about this, but he forgot his suit. You need to give him a suit so that he can go on the game. Um, go <laughs> on a little the better of game. a story. Yeah, it was a little better of a story, and 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 it turned out to be a prank. And it was just Brett Brown trying to like see if he would literally, you know, take the shirt off his back for, you know, his superior coach. And then they surprised him with a trunk full of brand new luxury shoots, um, suits or ah, whatever after the game or something nice. like something like that. Um, just something to test his character. Didn't find anything at all about um, sort of what his principles are as a coach. So I assume we'll we'll, we'll find that in time. The one thing we can point at is it was somebody who was previously connected to Monty Williams instead of Jeff Bauer. Uh, So that's kind of nice. It seems like Monty hired him. And so, yeah. And so the only thing, what we're going to spend the rest of the episode doing now is is shamelessly speculating because, um, yes, he has the connection to Monty Williams. The off-season has started. The off-season has started. It's what it's for. Um, He has the connection to Monty Williams. And the other connection that the first person I saw point this out on Twitter was our friend Brandon Zona Sports. So credit to him on this one. Um, Many other people have have brought it up too, though, that he was in the G League with Christian Wood. Christian Wood has had a very interesting career where he was in the G League and then he played for Philly and Milwaukee and New Orleans and a whole bunch of teams that he flamed out of before he ultimately had a successful season this year with the Pistons. But four or five years ago, um, he was uh, with Kevin Young uh, in the G League, which I think is pretty interesting and, and 
Um, Young specifically, it seems, is one of the guys who is credited with a little bit, at least, of, of Christian Wood's development. So does yeah. that mean anything going forward as Christian Wood is now a free agent this summer? Is that a reason the Suns signed him? Probably not. I think the Suns probably signed him because of his relationship with Monty Williams from Philly. Does it mean something going into the summer? That's what we can talk about. Yeah, I think it means enough that they're going to know each other and pro- probably have some sort of positive recollection of each other, which I think matters going into free agent meetings. Uh, but yeah, we'll switch over to that now. After the break here, we're going to be with Laz, uh, who writes for about the Detroit Pistons and has a lot of interesting perspectives on Christian Wood, and we even cover a little bit about Luke Kennard. So stick around. We'll be back with that interview. Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need and you can pause your account at any time and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier, like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through December 31st. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at BetOnline. BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, divisions, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today to take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, joining us... A writer and editor for Detroit Bad Boys, the host of the Pistons Verse Pod, uh, which is the uh, podcast on the Blue Wire Network for the Detroit Pistons, Lazarus Jackson. Laz, how are you doing? I'm doing great. The uh, Los Angeles Lakers are about to win a championship, and you know that you know burns me in all kinds of ways. But it is what it is. Are, are you sad though? Because I don't know. Not I mean, like. like- it was it was expected, right, but it's, still, right. like, I don't want to cheer for the Lakers. Neither neither do I, man. And and, and yeah. trust me, nobody listening to this podcast is. But it is just the most anticlimactic ending to an NBA season that I can ever think of. And mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I'm not sure I've ever been, like, we're recording this right as the Lakers are about to win Game 6 here. And, uh, yeah, I just feel nothing. Like Mike, I think you even tweeted this too. You just feel mm-hmm. nothing, right? Like mm-hmm. a little, a little sad that the Lakers are going to win. A little yeah. happy for LeBron James because I do like LeBron. But yeah. overwhelmingly, it's just it's nothing. And maybe that's not a great look for the NBA going forward <laughs> if we're saying that <laughs> supposedly as diehard fans. But uh, yeah, and I think part of it for me is like once the Lakers got Anthony Davis, it was like, all right, okay, cool. They'll be probably be in the finals, either them or the Clippers. We weren't really sure at the time. And then they'll win. It feels a little bit like Thanos winning (laughs) at the end of the Avengers, like somehow. (laughs) And I guess that's just what it is. The heat team was so likable too. So that's part of it for me. Um, But for me, it's nice because, well, I got one other thing. Like, at least it's nice that we can like quit these like ridiculous Oh four Pistons comparisons for this Miami heat team. I hadn't heard (laughs) any of those. I hadn't heard. Oh yeah. Wow. Anytime you get it, like a finals team that like doesn't, that isn't as good as people people don't expect. Yeah. Yeah. They get, they get comp to the Oh four Pistons. (laughs) And it's like, no, they they only made one of those. Trust me. Right. Cause it's not having, not having like a top five superstar. Like what's the first team you think of, right? It's that, it's that Pistons team. 
but yeah, yeah, yeah. That team was totally. It's funny too because defensively, the Lakers are closer to that team. <laughs> <laughs> like as far as play style, I mean that lockdown defense. That's all Lakers. The Heat are super small too. I don't know. I, I loved that Detroit team. You know, Devin Booker's favorite team uh, growing up. So oh, I'm sad now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was that was his team growing up. He still talks about Rip Hamilton as like his favorite player growing up, which is funny because very few people NBA players would would mention Rip Hamilton. He's like one of those players that that's almost forgotten uh, by a lot of people, but not Devin Booker uh, because he grew up there. But uh, yeah, it's it's inter- it's interesting time to record, and you can tell how much the three of us care about it because we're recording in the middle of that game. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't even wait till. I mean, I'm not going to watch a championship ceremony with no fans there. That's that's a weird thing to even consider. But the reason we brought you on, Laz, and I appreciate you for doing this because you didn't have to say yes to this, is because the Suns just hired an assistant coach that has some sort of connections to upcoming unrestricted free agent Christian Wood and Christian Wood is somebody that we've talked about as Suns fans as a potential player for the Suns because the Suns are projected to have cap space depending on how the NBA works out the salary cap for next year but the Suns are projected to have like the fifth most cap space of all NBA teams and of course you look at the best free agents out there Christian Wood is an interesting one Mostly because he's like 24 years old and unrestricted, which is very, very rare. How do you feel? How confident do you feel? I think we should just start here about Christian Wood returning to Detroit. We can we can ruin uh, all Suns fans' uh, expectations here right off the bat <laughs> if we want to. But how confident yeah. do you feel about that? I feel like it is a priority for the team. One of the few priorities they have going into the offseason or I kind of guess be like as part of this super extended offseason mm-hmm. um I feel like the he I feel like he wants to be there I feel like he likes Detroit he likes the fact that Detroit is where you know he broke out um I think that uh I also think that you know at the beginning of a Pistons rebuild which they are rebuilding they are at the beginning of a rebuild um, I don't think they really want to start that rebuild by paying Christian Wood like twenty million dollars a year. Mm-hmm. And so, if you're if you're willing to break the bank a little on Christian Wood, I think I think you could get him uh, if you're Charlotte or Atlanta or somebody. Yeah, it, it's possible. Um, but you know, granted, with I don't know how much the cap space the the Suns can create, but that seems difficult for you guys it's, and retaining. It's difficult. Yeah. But yeah. it's possible. It is possible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think I think eighteen million is what they can uh is what has been reported as what they can create just by waiving all the cap holds. Mm-hmm. Uh so any more than that would require some sort of trade. Uh, and that's like right on the border of where I think the Pistons be be like willing to go. Interesting. So so maybe explain to us because I think the Pistons, especially for Suns fans who probably don't watch a lot of Pistons games, if we're being honest, like you talk about the Pistons entering the rebuild. You guys have cap space to use this summer if you'd like um, because you have some contracts coming off the books. You also still, you know, you still have um, Blake. What, when you say you're going into a rebuild, exactly what stage of the rebuild do you think they're at at this point? Is it like just you want only rookie contracts and, you know, young players who are like 22, 23, maybe not slightly older prospects like Christian Wood or, you know, what's the, what's the focus going to be from Pistons management? I think the thing that makes Wood in particular interesting in that way is that he could, in fact, be a contributor to a future iteration of a of this Pistons team that could be good because of his youth and because of his skill set. And so, I, I, the Pistons are at ground zero, right? Like they're just now starting this rebuild. Like they didn't come into this regular season with expectations of being bad. They thought, you know, they'd still try to fight for a, a playoff spot, but uh, they they were quickly disabused of that notion. Um, but yeah, like, you know, I I would I think the team would prefer mostly rookie contracts. I think uh the coaching staff would obviously love as many uh veterans that are going to help them win games and I think the front office is uh not really going to look into that. But again, that's what makes Wood interesting is that he's a he's a young enough guy to where he's not really like uh, a veteran that's going to only take you to mediocrity. Mm-hmm. You you're just saying rebuild. Uh but yes. Blake Blake Griffin is still 
signed for a few more years. And two, yeah, yeah, two years. It's not two more years. Not ideal. Yeah, two more years. And making a ridiculous amount of money. Pistons actually do still have pretty good cap space going yeah, fortunately, forward. Fortunately, he's the only one on the roster making any money. Right yeah, now. exactly. So, I mean, you do have the ability of signing free agents, retaining Christian Wood if, if you'd want to. The team does. Uh, but, they, I mean, they play the same position. I mean, don't you look at it and say they're... I mean, are you just assuming right now that Blake Griffin is going to be traded? And if he is, who would want who would want him at this point? And what can you get for him? Or I think you wouldn't trade Blake immediately just because no one's going to take Blake right. sight unseen. Builds his value somehow. Yeah, I think he starts the season in Detroit healthy um, after what it's going to be at this point. I think he had the surgery in late December, early January. So it'll literally be like a year plus Mm -hmm. since he played an NBA game. And so, and the last time he uh, took that long of time of a time to rest, Mm -hmm. you come back and he had an all NBA season, right? Mm -hmm. Like I'd still fully believe Blake can be a high level contributor to a team. Right. Um, But I do think that the Pistons like don't want to overexert Blake. And so I'm not like worried about, Oh my God, Dwight Howard just made a like 29 foot three. Sorry. No. <laughs> it's a 13. Oh, this, I just we said live it's in a, a simulation. I just said it's a 13 point game. There's 15 seconds left in the quarter. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's over. We Sorry. live in a simulation. It's, it's official. <laughs> no. Uh, where was Yeah. Blake. Uh, Blake's going to, Blake's going to play. I would really doubt if Blake plays every night. I would really doubt Blake plays like 35 minutes a night, you know, Um, that was one thing that I was really impressed with Uh, the coaching staff this year. Dwayne Casey in particular was very uh, gentle with their treatment of Derek Rose, another uh, veteran who has had injury troubles in the past. And I think that was, they saw the benefits of that, uh, like uh, as he stayed healthy the entire year and was like super effective in his minutes. And so, uh, yeah, I don't. I don't think. Uh, I don't think they're gonna push Blake super hard in in that way. Um, and you know, keeping Blake healthy would make him more valuable to another team. I think it's entirely possible you could you can trade Blake uh, for like a season and a half of Blake way easier than you can trade Blake for for two years of Blake. Right. And so I think you get around next year's trade deadline, whenever that is. Somebody feels like they're uh, a Blake away from contention, especially given. You know, the fact that the the Miami Heat just won the Eastern Conference. Like, somebody will feel like they're very close to a championship, um, and, and you trade Blake then. Okay, but so so to be clear, you're very confident that Detroit— I mean, not very confident that they want to re-sign Christian Wood if it's for $20 million, but if it's for $15 million a year, you can go in next year, you can have Blake, you can have Christian Wood, you can still develop Sekou also, mm-hmm. and that's none of that's— a issue with the depth chart like that logically all works yeah i don't think so i think they're they're very excited about seku but um like seku wasn't playing like 30 minutes a night right. like even when the season was was in uh was in peril or was was already kind of over right and so i think they're they're willing to be patient with seku and they're even maybe willing to play him at the three in a blake wood uh seku like lineup right? like in, a, in, a, mm. in a jumbo lineup like that uh they're they're confident in his ball skills, and so you you could see lineups like that. I don't think they'd be your your core lineup, but uh, you could see some stuff like that. Christian Wood had an interesting season. He didn't start the whole season. You know, it it was kind of something where he he really came on uh, towards the end of the season, and that's what everyone is now looking at as if you know if people say he's a potential All Star in the future or something like that, they're they're pointing at the stretch towards the end of the season. Uh, the end of I guess it's the end of the season it's weird to even say that where he really turned it on and looks really really good uh what what do you when you look at Christian Wood and I know you didn't have a lot of time covering him you know he has such a weird career he's been on so many different teams you know he went to the G League that's where he encountered the Suns new assistant coach that's where they worked together and they came back to the NBA uh didn't start uh, on Detroit for a while, obviously with Blake Griffin being gone, found a way back into that starting lineup and started to play well. What do you think his ceiling is at this point? How confident and how confident are you that he can reach it? Hmm. That's a good question. I think his ceiling is like fringe all-star guy, but that's like his absolute ceiling. And I don't, I don't think he quite gets there or if he does get there, it's as, um, 
one of the the last remaining all-stars for a team that is having like an outsized level of success right this is your this is your like goran dragic all-star uh that like (laughs) a couple years ago yeah right right um and you know in those uh after andre drummond was traded in those last 13 games which is the stretch that everybody was really excited about he put up uh what like 23 points and like 10 boards on like 56% 56% from the floor and like 40% from three. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that was really good. And in the five games they played in March, he put in, he put up 26 and nine on 63, 43, which is like really good. That's yeah. literally and prime also, Amari Stoudemire with a three point shot in a five yeah, game sample. But yeah. but yeah. And that's not going to continue. Right. Like right. if you're, if you're like, I would pay that guy $20 million. Right. But like, it, it's highly unlikely that, um, that that's the player Christian Wood's going to be for the rest of his career. Uh, the thing I look at with Wood is, especially when I think about him like in the context of Phoenix, as I try to like think about how he would operate for that team, it's really who he's going to be playing alongside and who's going to be getting him the ball. Mm. Like 60, 62% of his shots came off of no dribbles, zero dribbles. Mm. So these are either catch-and-shoot threes or like alley-oop lob mm-hmm. finishes. And he shot 60% on those shots, right? So really effective. Right. But that points to um, a guy who is a like superstar in his role, right? That's a superstar role player, right? This is not a guy that you give the ball and tell tell him, like, go get us a bucket. That, because, like, that isn't what he does. And generally, if he was that kind of guy, like, then you could be like, again, you could be like, oh, like, yeah, I'd pay that guy $20 million. Mm-hmm. But I don't, I don't think his ball skills will ever reach that level. Um, he had some, he had some really impressive isolation possessions like later in the year. Yeah. He took, he like bodied Steven Adams a couple times. And like, that was really cool. He took a, he had like a vicious dunk on Gobert. Like, that was really cool. But like, am I going to expect that over an 82 game season? Like, probably not. Well, yeah. I think it's funny because like, I watched a lot of those possessions later in the year and you say he's not. Like, his dribble skills aren't great, right? Like, you're not going to give him the ball in isolation and expect him to go get a bucket. And, and for the record, I do agree with you. But compared to DeAndre Ayton, I think he's, like, in another... It's like he's in the middle realm, you know? Like, on, on one end of the spectrum, there's Devin Booker, who, if you're Phoenix and you're orchestrating your offense, you, you can just give him the ball and expect him to go get a bucket. On the other end of the spectrum, there's DeAndre Ayton, who you give the ball to in the high post, and he never takes a dribble ever. And I do think for a big man, Christian Wood is a little bit better than that um but i think that kind of begs the question how does he fit in an offense next to deandre ayton right like it would be either deandre ayton needs to take a lot more threes than he currently is or christian wood needs to take a lot more threes than he currently is because you need to figure out some sort of way around the spacing angle and then beyond that on defense it's like can christian wood guard the perimeter consistently right in order to have these two guys share the floor or are you kind of banking on there being enough minutes where he can play as a as a small ball five? And I don't know what your opinion is on that. Do you think Wood is more of a four long term defensively, or is he a five, or is he just you know you just embrace the versatility with a player like him, um, being able to take on both of those positions? Uh, I think that if he were if he were a big free agent signing for Phoenix in particular, you would like he would come in there to play the four, right? He, you would come. He would come in there to mm-hmm. totally. to yeah. to play yeah. next to Aiton, um, and I and I do think there would be a ton of bench minutes for him to eat up against like opposing fives. Right. I think like that that rotation could definitely work, but you know in in a crunch time lineup, he's going to be next to Aiton, right? So that ma- that makes him mm-hmm. a four. And for what it's worth, I think he'd be better defensively as a four, but I don't know how that fares against some of the like some of the smaller lineups we're seeing perpetuate like around the league uh, i don't really trust him in space yet i don't fully trust him as a as in like a fully engaged and attentive defender quite yet um but i do trust him as like a weak side help guy mm-hmm. a guy who helps protect the rim in that manner i don't i'm i didn't watch a ton of phoenix this year uh, i'm assuming you guys put eight in, in like a drop scheme yeah most of the time, most yeah. of the time, yeah. But he can switch okay. too. Like he's a, he's a capable switch defender. But uh, they didn't switch as much as I anticipated. Yeah, uh, but yeah. 
you know, I, I think wood would be good if you're, if you're, uh, dropping eight in a bunch, I think wood would be good lurking on the stronger weak side, uh, in like rim protection help. And that enables eight to play like a couple steps up. And I think that'd be good. But if you are doing the reverse, right. And, and you're putting wood in a pick and roll, like that's when things get a little bit more dicey. Okay. Or you're asking wood to, you know, close out on shooters that can also like dribble past him. Like that's when things get dicey. So, yeah, I mean, like, yeah, it could it could work, but I do think there are I think there are better options for a as a compliment to DeAndre Ayton for Phoenix than that Christian Wood. Sounds like someone what someone would say who really wants to keep Christian Wood. <laughs> because the funny yeah. thing to me also is like you guys are one of the and us. There are like five teams with cap space this year. Right. So we talk a yeah. lot about how much the free agent class sucks. But on the other hand, if you want a player. It's like Atlanta, Phoenix, Detroit, uh, Charlotte, and New York. And like those five teams can go out and, and get the player they want. So it, for me, it's almost like if not Wood, then, then who? Um, yeah. And, and, I, you know, and I'll turn that back around on you. I don't know if you feel the same way. Like, you know, Detroit, I think, has even more money than we do. So like for you guys, it could be like, is your ideal offseason? I don't know. What is it? Is it, is it re-signing Wood for a reasonable, like $15 million a year uh, and, and then go out and, and get who else in the, to plug into your guard rotation? Yeah, that's, that's basically it. Uh, <laughs> re-sign Wood at a reasonable number. Um, if, you know, maybe figure out a Luke Kennard extension thing. If not, you know, you take that into restricted free agency next year. Um, you draft somebody, whoever you don't, whatever position you don't fill in the draft. Is that if you if you don't draft a if you draft a point guard you sign a wing if you draft a wing you sign a point guard you you, you fill the the holes uh, that way and then uh, yeah find and just find some like complimentary big men just lying around <laughs> bigs bigs are not uh, super valuable especially for a team that's yeah. that's going to be as as bad as the uh, as the Pistons are going to be well, Dwight, which is part of the reason why uh, like you know a guy like Christian Wood has so much value right D- uh, Dwight Howard is a free agent this year if you're looking for a big and I hear he's got spacing potential now too he just hit a 29 foot 3 yeah he's does, a champion does, does, does he does he want to play he, and he brings for a championship a, a, pedigree <laughs> <laughs> yeah, does he want to does he want to play for a 25 win team like, definitely I, not <laughs> like, that's the question <laughs> it's weird to even consider him like he will be on an nba team next year that's it that's almost weird <laughs> that is weird <laughs> it just by itself uh yeah. probably the lakers i imagine again um you know why not try to run it back for them mm-hmm. uh on on june 3rd christian wood tweeted i want to win uh <laughs> <laughs> Um, I believe that we've said, I believe you've said uh, the, the word rebuild uh, probably five or six times. Mm-hmm. How did that tweet make you feel? <laughs> uh, fine. I don't know. Uh, he's tweeted the other, like that's a core thing that he tweets about. And he tweets about basically how hard he worked to get to where he is. Fair. And how, like On appreciative he is. September yeah. 1st, Christian Wood tweeted, quote, I'll be even better next season. <laughs> yeah, maybe he thinks. How does that make you feel? Yeah, I feel like you would get some sentiment like that from every single NBA player <laughs> at uh, this stage of the off season, right? And so, like, I I take that at face value, absolutely. I think I so. hope he, I hope the Pistons resign him, and he is better than what he was last year. That would be great. That'd be a great outcome. This right. is a weird part of this off season conversation that I guess we're going to have to get more used to talking about, but you know, in February, March ish, the entire NBA shut down. Players started testing positive for COVID Christian Wood being one of the first players that tested positive for COVID. Uh, it's a weird thing where there's this complicated for us. I'm, I'm going to talk about for people who like to talk about the game, people who like to analyze the game. We, we as a society, don't fully understand the long-term effects of COVID. And, and for athletes to get it, it's something that affects your lungs. It's kind of a terrifying thing. Uh, what was that like when that happened for you guys? And uh, does that even factor in? And this is, I know this is a weird place to put you into no. answer this question. But does that even factor into how you think about his future? Not really. There have been other NBA players that have tested positive for COVID and uh, turned out just fine. I believe... If I remember correctly, Bam Adebayo tested positive for COVID wow. before the bubble, 
and was, you know, the best player in the Eastern Conference Finals. So like, right. I'm not worried long term. But uh, but you you do bring back some interesting memories, right? Because if you recall, like the first guy we knew had COVID Gobert. was Rudy Gobert, mm-hmm. and the Pistons like did play right. Utah. I think like three or four ah, days. So who was patient that. zero then? Was it Christian right. Wood or was so, it Rudy Gobert? Yeah, and no, and so that was that was our initial uh, assumption, right? It was like, oh my god, like Christian Wood was banging on Gobert for thirty minutes mm-hmm. and like got it somehow. Mm-hmm. And so, like that was that was pretty scary. But um, I haven't heard a lot of detailed reporting around this. Right. Um, I'm, my assumption is that Christian is fine. Right. Uh, he he did not participate in the uh, mini camp for the Delete Eight teams, which is understandable given his position as an unrestricted free agent. Right. I wouldn't have uh, participated either. You know, stuff can happen. But um, yeah, I I that doesn't concern me. But it was like kind of shocking at the time. I so I have a base pretty basic question here. Do you buy into his three point shot? <laughs> so so you know he's actually shot relatively well uh, throughout his career. Uh, it's so bizarre to talk about his career just in and out of teams and 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 just where he is now. But thirty eight percent on uh, Detroit for his time with Detroit. Yeah, uh, one, looks one pretty decent good. volume, yeah. not like amazing. Two point three attempts volume. per game is, what, is yeah. what I'm looking at here. So you I, I basically guess, like, made one. If Aiton to to jump in on the question a little bit, and I don't know if Mike is thinking the same thing, but you know, if Aiton doesn't make the three point jump next year, like let's say it takes a couple, but but isn't taking them at high volume, could Christian Wood take like five threes a game if yeah, that's exactly what the offense what want. wanted him to do? Is it scalable? I, yeah, I think so. Okay. I think so. Um, I'm going back to the numbers I had for the end of the year. Cause I believe he was taking, yeah, I was taking four threes a game. The last third after Andre was traded, he was taking 4.2 threes a game and hitting them at a 40% clip clip. So yeah, you, you could bump that up to five, six, no problem. And he still probably shoots in the high thirties. Uh, and again, right. A, the vast majority of these three point attempts are catch and shoot threes mm-hmm. off pick and pops yes. or mm-hmm. catch and shoot threes off of, uh, of of kickouts or uh of like uh bang bang plays right mm-hmm. um because he's not uh taking guys off the dribble you can absolutely like station him at the corner or in the wing and uh and expect him to shoot a decent percentage uh, the shot looks fine um he's 611 with long arms mm-hmm. no one blocks the dang thing right. so you're fine on that front and uh and yeah like you know there's no there's no reason to think that um he got less accurate or that the uh, yeah. the accuracy he showed over the course of this entire season right. was like aberrant in some way. And the shot looks good. Like it looks yeah, like it looks it's pretty good form. You you brought up he's 6'11 with long arms. Earlier you talked about uh, where he struggles defensively. You think about a guy that's 6'11 with long arms, you just assume defense like this guy should be really great at defense yeah uh you know he i would say he's okay he's not a terrible defender uh you know i think a lot of his struggles from what i've seen are sort of mental lapses is that really all it boils down to is just like some sort of level of focus defensively or coaching uh what is it that is not allowing him to be like a great defender i think some of it is nba experience right like it's very difficult to we we always see that like big men develop defensively like slower than guards or perimeter players just because like the reads and stuff you have to make as a big man are uh, so multiple and it takes guys so long to kind of get used to that. Mm-hmm. And when you think about like this is the first season that Christian had extensive NBA experience, you can kind of say like, hey, like this is the first year he's playing NBA defense. And so it makes a lot of sense that he wasn't amazing defensively but i think your assessment that he was a good not great defender and that most of his uh, lapses were mental was is a fairly accurate one the only other thing i would point out with wood defensively is that he's listed at 214 pounds right. and that's real skinny for right. a 610 guy yes. and there were definitely times when bigger guys could just move him out of the way and uh and get and get post position and do things that they wanted to do and so you worry about that if he's playing like five full time mm-hmm. but again there's only like there's like three centers in the league that that matters against. Right? I, I remember so. I was uh, I was watching games of his back in February, and I was watching one specific game where he was matched up against Fat Jokic before he became Skinny <laughs> Jokic, and he yeah. he just he he knocked him. 
he literally knocked him over in, in two seconds <laughs> and, and turned yeah. around for a dunk. And it, it wasn't, yeah. you know, it wasn't much competition. But to your point, that matters against Jokic, Embiid, Carl Anthony Towns, and that's it, maybe. So he'll Anthony he'll Davis. Anthony Davis, I, you're right. Yeah, yeah Anthony it, Davis it'll is matter definitely in the stronger than him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But like, is that going to matter against like, I don't know, like Steven Adams? Like maybe? Yeah, but it's like if Stephen I mean, Adams, if you're giving if they Stephen try to Adams exploit that ball, mismatch, like that's right. a win. Yeah, right? you want that <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Give him the ball thirty times a game. Feel free. Uh, I think you can game plan against that. It's a it's an interesting thing for Suns fans. I think where we're sort of in the place where Kelly Oubre is in the last year of his deal, going into this next season. He'll be is he agent. coming off a significant knee injury, meniscus tear that he should have been he should be fully healed uh, from by now. Did they do the repair or did they do the shave? I think they did the repair. They did, okay. I, I believe they did the one that takes longer to the, heal. From. Yeah, and the one that heals better. Okay. Yeah. And uh, it's, a, it's a weird thing where if the Suns end up signing a forward, and of course, as Suns fans, we look at uh, Christian Wood, we look at Jeremy Grant, two very different players, but also uh, bring good skill sets, different skill sets that, that would be good for the Suns. But in... Basically, both of those scenarios, you have to likely factor in some sort of trade f- for Kelly Oubre at that point because, uh, you know, we, for Suns fans, the future of the small forward position is Mikhail Bridges. Uh, Mikhail Bridges is just that guy. Uh, we all view him as the future of that position. Now, if the Suns were to... I know you don't watch a lot of the Suns, and I wouldn't blame you, uh, but if the Suns were to get rid of Kelly Oubre in favor of Christian Wood... Would you consider that an upgrade, a lateral move, or a downgrade for the Suns, just from what you know of Kelly Oubre and how he's played for the Suns so far? Huh, that's a weird question. Uh, my initial thought is to think of it as a side grade, not necessarily a downgrade. Right. Those guys do very different things. Um, and I think the other, there's like an invisible, like Oubre was such an emotional leader for that Suns team mm-hmm. from everything that I saw and read about that it would be it'd be weird for for the team to like let that guy go um I was thinking you know not necessarily that you know Ray would come off the bench or anything but you know well, given that, <laughs> yeah given where no given where uh, like Devin Booker is in his like ball handling acumen I was thinking you'd do like a Booker uh Booker Bridges Ubre would oh my god eaten like well, oh my god right? that would be fucking great <laughs> yes <laughs> i love to picture um, that <laughs> and, and you know because the thing is ricky rubio is we we love ricky rubio he was a lot better i think than a lot of Suns fans even expected but entering his age 30 season you know he was already a guy in utah who would play like 26 minutes a game even though he was starting and so yeah i think it'd be a great idea as he continues to get older um older excuse me to have more lineups that prominently feature Devin Booker as uh, the point guard. Um, but I also think it's pretty clear at this point in his career that Devin Booker doesn't want to play that role full-time, so it's kind of a thing that you that you have to balance. Gotcha, gotcha. I was also thinking thinking the, the Bridges-Ubre wing defender combo would be an excellent way to kind of hide Booker on yeah. the perimeter. Yep, we're always yeah. looking for ways to do that. Um, <laughs> I have one more question for you, Lies, and it's not about Christian Wood, but... I just want to check in. We had you on. Um, I actually wasn't on that episode. It was just you and Mike, but it was back before the trade deadline. Um, how are you feeling about Luke Kennard these days? What do you think Luke Kennard's trade value is? I know you started the very beginning of this segment by talking about uh, you, you want to get an extension done, um, but could he still potentially be on the trade block? And, and I'm just putting out feelers there because I know the Suns are always looking for a third guard as well. You 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 want to give us the number 10 pick? <laughs> is that all it would take? I uh, I mean like you got to make the salaries work, but I don't think it would take much more than that. What was the what was the reported deal at the deadline? It was like Javon Carty, Javon Carter, Eliakobo and the protection How much was where the something thing something and I think like it that. was top Just... 10 protect it was the rumors were that it right. would have been top 10 protected top 10. which about... would have been a second round pick for you guys if if it all played out the way it did. How about this? Yeah. Frank Kaminsky in the tenth pick for Luke Kennard. Would you take oh. that? Uh, it's one year, five million for Frank. For the record, can I get can I get Javon Carter? Oh. Uh, we'd have to re-sign him first. He's a free agent. Yeah, 
Oh, is it? Oh, is it? Is he an RFA or a UFA? I, I think, think he's, he's an RFA, actually. Yeah. Okay. I mean, yeah, we can sign and trade him. Interesting. But uh, but yeah, I, I definitely think that um, it's Luke is a very interesting swing piece for the Pistons, right? There's right. a the the previous front office, you know, tried to trade him at the deadline, like we talked about on a podcast, what feels like five years ago. Um, <laughs> the current front office just now got to evaluate him in the, in the context of how he looks in a team setting with the mini camp that happened like uh, like earlier last week, and so um, you you wonder kind of what their evaluation their evaluation of him was and whether or not that impacts their draft plans. Um, personally, I like Luke a lot. I think Luke will be a really effective NBA player for a very long time. Um, I don't know if Luke Kennard is ever going to be good enough defensively to be a guy you like really invest in at a team level. Right. And so like, that's why I'd be eager to, uh, that's why I'd be eager to get that number 10 pick and, you know, maybe take a guy like a a Sadiq Bay or a Devin Vassell and, and start younger at at that position and cheaper, you know, restart the clock. But, uh, you know, barring that, I absolutely think that Luke is a really good player. And so I, I would understand and I would be very like excited if the team chose to extend him. Right. Right. But I also don't think that, uh, I don't get the sense that Luke's representation is like enamored with the situation in Detroit. Mm Mm-hmm. And so I, I just, you know, I keep my eye on that, That's but yeah, like, uh, if you, yeah, if you, I don't, I, I got no like great love for Frank Kaminsky in my heart, well, which is why I'm asking for Javon Carter, <laughs> but yeah, does. I do think you could, you can, you can build a trade around Luke in that number 10 pick. Yeah. That, that's really interesting. And I think some Suns fans are still holding on to that a little bit. And I don't think, I don't know that the Suns are because they were trying to protect it up to that 10 uh, range right. so i'm not sure that how interested they would be well well let me ask you like how how good does this team plan on being next year right because well, yeah. if you if you make that pick right like you uh, yes you have another 19 year old that you need to spend time developing and that doesn't necessarily like lend itself to fighting for a playoff spot mm-hmm. in the absolutely stacked western conference right you know but trading that pick for a more veteran player a more uh a player who's more ready to contribute that does point to competing in, yeah. in the stack Western conference. Yeah, so where are you guys at? I'll put it this way. Like from an organizational team building perspective, probably the best thing the Suns can do at the 10th pick is like, you know, if by some miracle Killian Hayes fell there, but, but even if he doesn't, you know, like say you get Kyra Lewis, like a young player to develop long-term as your next starting point guard or a Devin Vassell, who you can plug right. in as, as your wing, a guy who you can grow long-term. Because next year is Devin Booker's sixth year in the league, though, you really do need to make the playoffs. And so that does change things for <laughs> Phoenix a little bit because it doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah, 8 0 in the bubble, too. It I doesn't, mean, there's expectations have shifted. There are just expectations. If It doesn't matter at this point if you take the 19 year old rookie who, like, objectively sucks next year, even if it's the good long term play, because it's not the good long term play anymore if Devin Booker's asking out six months in. So there's, mm-hmm. there's, there's a lot of interesting considerations that have to go into it. And that's where we come to these ideas of, well, maybe we trade down and take two more NBA-ready prospects, or maybe we just trade the thing entirely. And and if they were going to do that, I think Kennard would be still one of the best options out there. So I wanted to ask. No, sure. Yeah, it's an interesting one. I mean, what the Suns did previously in the previous offseason was trade the pick for Dario Saric and to trade down. And something like that, I think, is something that makes a lot of sense where you could get an NBA ready player now and still have some sort of swing uh, at a player. I'm not sure what kind of picks the Pistons own, but that probably wouldn't be the same because Kennard's pretty valuable. It's interesting too for the Suns, you know, because he would be the guard coming off the bench for the Suns and the focus likely of the offense on the bench units. I'm not sure you talked about his representation in there. Uh, happiness with the Pistons. I'm not sure how happy he would be with that because likely that would be long term. It's not like he's ever going to be uh, starting in place of Devin Booker. <laughs> yeah, for the I Suns. Think, so, yeah, I think it's an easier sell to Luke and his representation to say like, "Hey, we're going to trade you to Phoenix, and you're going to get paid, and you're going to play behind Devin Booker," than like, "Hey, you're we might pay you, and you're going to play behind Bruce Brown." Right? Like those, <laughs> those are two. Those are two very different things, right. right? I don't. I don't hate Bruce Brown. No, Bruce Brown. <laughs> Bruce Brown's I, good. He, he yeah, good I love Bruce Brown. Yeah. Bruce Brown's great. You guys but, got something you know, in Bruce Brown. 
Mm-hmm. If, but if you know, but if I was Luke Kennard and I was trying to make right. eighteen million dollars a <laughs> right, year, right, I right. can't do that coming off the bench behind Bruce Brown. <laughs> very true. Very true. Uh, well, Laz, thank you so much for joining us once again. Laz writes for Detroit Bad Boys, host of the Pistons vs. Everybody podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Do you have? Oh, and follow it by the way, Laz Chance uh, on Twitter. Great Twitter handle. Do you have anything that you would like to uh, plug? Laz. Uh, you, you guys did a great job of plugging everything else. I would plug the timeline uh, video on Jeremy Grant. Much better fit <laughs> than Christian Wood. Good amount of people have already seen that one. Thank you. Thank you, Laz, for the support. Yeah, thanks, Laz. Uh, yeah. Good stuff. Now Sloan goes inside, can't get the off-balance layup. Now the coaches go at one another, and this is going to be interesting. Brady tries to break it up, and we were talking about this. There's a lot of shoving. This is not what you want to happen, and the coaches are the ones who initiated it. Yes, they are. There was some bad juju with the coaches. Where's security when you need them? They're coming. Boy, the coaches carried that anger from the floor to the middle of the arena, and now the players with much cooler heads are trying to calm it down, so we will take a timeout. Our halftime show is upcoming. We'll see you a little bit later on. The wait is finally over. Notfest Roadshow is back. October 13th, Jiffy Lube Live. Featuring Slipknot with Kill Switch Engage, Fever 333, and Code Orange. Tickets on sale now at LiveNation.com. Part of the Metris Warehouse Concert Series. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.